We're grateful. Thank you. Last month, as I prepared to preach here on the second Sunday after Easter, an insight came to me that I want to explore with you this morning. Now, I realize that we're opening a Bible passage outside its regular season, but I invite you to listen to an Easter passage this morning as I'm reading from Mark's Gospel, the 16th chapter of the first eight verses. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They'd been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be afraid. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. raised. He is not here. Look, there's the place they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee, that you will see him just as he told you. So they went out. And fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. There was an anxious urgency to their steps, a look of determination on their faces. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had found it almost painful to wait until the Sabbath was over so they could travel and work once more. For these three, the events of Friday were hard enough. The early morning trial, the public sentencing, the tortuously slow procession outside the city to Golgotha Mountain, the crucifixion, and Jesus' death. Of course, the temple leaders could not allow the three to hang on the cross Overnight, not not on a Sabbath, and certainly not on the Passover Sabbath. So they'd sent soldiers to each of the three men hanging on the crosses to put them out of their misery. But to everyone's surprise, when they got to Jesus, he had already died. Just as soon as the officials gave permission, the disciples had removed the body of Jesus and taken it to a new tomb offered by Joseph, even rushing. They had just completed a quick wrapping of the body with a cloth and laid the body along the bench inside the tomb. And then they had to hurry home for the Sabbath. Now, while the other disciples had trouble worshiping on the Sabbath because of the shock, pain of their grief, these three women carried an additional worry on their minds throughout the weekend. The body of Jesus had not been prepared properly for burial. The usual ministry of women would have provide, that they provided would have included careful bathing of the body, tucking sweet gum and aromatic spices in the folds of the shroud and a respectful arrangement of the body along the bench inside the tomb. But there'd been no time. 
The men had hurriedly placed the body on the bench. They had strained to roll the huge wheel-like door along the track until the doorway was closed. And then they almost ran to get home before the Sabbath restrictions began. The women were determined to do it right for their Lord. But they'd already done the easy part. They had found the cleansing materials. They had gotten cloth for the shroud. They had the spices. But as they walked through the semi-darkness just before dawn, they discussed what could they do about getting the door rolled aside. All three of them together might not be able to do it. That even begun to wonder if they had been too hasty in not getting someone else to help them. They had no idea what they were going to do. And then they saw the tomb. The stone was rolled away. What surprised the three was the shadow in the doorway, which meant that the stone had been rolled back. The doorway was open and they quickly rushed in to get to the work on the task that had delayed all weekend, had haunted their every thought. But as their eyes adjusted to the dim light, they suddenly realized they weren't alone. A young man dressed in a white robe sat on the bench and it was only his quick words that prevented flight. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's not here. See, this is where his body was. He's alive again. Now you must go tell the other disciples. Tell Peter he will meet them in Galilee. Without a word, the women turned and walked out into the daylight and as one immediately broke into a run. They were terrified. And that's where Mark leaves it. That's the way the gospel ends. Mark leaves it there. And some who studied Mark have concluded, wasn't that just like women? But we know that wasn't the end of it, don't we? The report of this event in the other two gospels, in Matthew and Luke, indicate these women did tell the disciples in spite of their fears. And so we may think, wasn't that just like women? As we gather this Sunday... We celebrate our resurrected life. We do that year round. We celebrate what it means to live as a believer believer in Jesus Christ. Possible because he is alive once more. But I wonder, can you deal with your fears today like those women did then? What do you fear today? Do you fear problems? We all have them. Some of us have too many. And some of us face problems that seem to be insurmountable. Do you fear disappointment? Do you have plans, hopes, dreams? Have you been disappointed before and are afraid it's going to happen again? Maybe you fear ridicule. Do you want to live like a Christian? Stand up for what is right? Stand for principles but know that if you do, it's going to bring sarcasm and mockery? Do you fear disease for you or for someone you love? And do you wonder if it's going to overwhelm life? It was during World War II that a military governor met with General George Patton in Sicily. When he praised Patton highly for his courage and bravery, the general replied, Sir, I am not a brave man. The truth is I am an utter craven coward. 
I've never been with the sound of gunshot or in the sight of battle in my whole life that I wasn't so scared that I had sweat on the palms of my hands. Years later, when Patton's autobiography was published, it contained this significant statement by the general. I learned very early in my life never to take counsel of my fears. Like those women outside Jerusalem, if you can act in spite of your fears, you will meet Jesus who is alive and you'll be able to do what you should. You'll be able to live through what threatens your daily life. You'll be able to live through what brings those fears into your heart. If you can live by faith, you can love and you can serve Jesus. You'll be able to do what needs to be done. Some years ago, we enjoyed watching the TV series, I'll Fly Away. It was first on NBC and then changed over to PBS. It often opened and usually ended with a voiceover by Lily, the black maid, reading from her diary. One episode ended with this story. I once read about an emperor who besieged a town and would not listen to pleas for mercy. Finally, he agreed to let the women go saying they could take only what they could carry on their persons. The women came out of their houses with their husbands and children on their backs. When the emperor saw this, he cried, understanding at last the burden of their courage. Just like women. As we worship today, I invite you to let those three women of Galilee carry you on their back so that you too can live with faith in Jesus in spite of your fears, in spite of your problems. Will you pray with me? Oh God, you know how easily fear comes into our lives, how quickly we're caught by it. Help us to be trusting. Help us to live through our fears, knowing that Jesus will go with us and make it safe for us all the way through. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.